1: Now radio, check for order. 10,000 miles.
2: Oh, that sound
0: is beautiful.
1: This is Bradley J
0: on air control. We're listening it dawn. And our radios are tuned to 1030. 30. all our cars, Oh, do you read me?
3: Affirmative, I read you What are you talking about? This conversation can serve purpose
2: Darkin, live midnight to five A little bit of a different night tonight I've talked to you quite a bit And I know that you don't have much of a clue about young people And to tell you the truth even though I may have more of a clue than you, I still am, you know, pretty blind in many areas. So we're going to try to fix that. So we're going to find out tonight about young people and I and about Republican young people. It sounds weird to say young people. Makes me feel old. Oh, it's got to be a better word, right? When I say young people, that's strange, isn't it? We have, we have uh, Matt Lowe and Sarah Corda here, here, from the. Uh, Northeastern University there with the Northeastern University College Republicans. Thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you for having us. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. So you ready to go? Oh, yeah.
2: There's not going to be a bunch of talk about the president. It's not going to be a bunch of political argument. I'm, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to debate. I have too many questions to get to to spend time debating. It's not what it's about. It's more of a fact-finding mission, both about being a young Republican and being and being young. We speculate all night long about what young people think. I thought we'd find out for real. So we'll start with the political part. Sure. And it's a toss up for starts, starters here. What motivates you to be active in politics? A lot of people aren't. Why are you? Who's first?
1: All right, I guess I'll, t- I'll start it off. All right. Um, I would say for me, especially with my my demographic, my age range, it's definitely more a lot more liberal leaning, and especially with the viewpoints I have, I am right leaning, I am a conservative. It's very important for me to get involved and to kind of be, uh, quote, unquote, a representative of my generation for the, the right wing, the right side. Um, and it, it's something for me that's very it's very fun to get in active. I, I like having discussions with people from the other side. I like having uh, you know, political activism, those sorts of discussions and conversations. So for me, that, that's really what's kind of pushed me into uh, politics, especially at a young age.
2: How did you get there? Were your parents involved? Uh, did you get into it on your own? Did you have, when you were even younger, enjoy debating this kind of thing?
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say it, it really was something on my own. Um, my my parents are a bit split politically. My, my mom, for most of her life, was a Democrat. My dad was a Republican. That's kind of changed recently. But really, I, I've never really talked about politics with my parents until I got really involved in it. And it was, I got very active, and that's when I started Going out of my way to talk to them about politics. Did you get active in college? It was pretty much the last, the senior of high school. So I'm a sophomore now. So it was about three years ago. It was really kind of leading up to the 2016 election. Yeah. Um, I started off kind of working and um, doing work for Marco Rubio's campaign, and that's that was really the first time I got involved in politics. Wow.
2: Were you? involved in high school? Were you a, de- a debate guy on the I, debate I team? I was
1: not a debate guy at all. I was a part of the the Young American for Freedoms chapter at my high school, which is a conservative uh, st- student group. And that w- that was really it. But I, w- I was never really an active member either. Um, and then kind of once I got into college in Northeastern, that's when I took more of a, a step into the political world and got involved in the College Republicans chapter.
2: Okay. Sarah, so how, how conservative are you?
4: I am quite conservative.
2: Like on a scale of one to seven, one, on a, Yeah, get right close to the mic. Maybe I have the wrong mic. Oh, no, I think I have, I'll turn them all on. There we go. Okay, stay close to the mic. Good. How conservative, conservative are you on a scale of one to 10?
4: Maybe 11. 11.
2: <laughs> and what drives you there?
4: So I attended an all-girls high school, and it was very small, and a lot of times we heavily emphasized talking about current events, things that were happening in the news, and I didn't really realized how conservative I was until I realized how much I opposed most of my classmates and my teachers. However, in high school, we were encouraged to have any belief that we wanted, whereas in college, I found that I'm not encouraged to have my right-leaning viewpoint. So after that, going to college has really ignited my passion towards politics, and I've attended lots of conservative events and different ev- events on campus and in clubs as well as out of the state and around the country because I see it as such a salient issue to have my voice be heard around and having grown up in Massachusetts.
2: How did you get to where you are? Were your parents conservatives? Were they involved in politics? You must have come in contact with somebody that was both.
4: So because my high school was so interested in talking about politics and current events, I began to realize and solidify my viewpoints. So my parents weren't super, super political either way. Now my mom is really, really political and agrees with me, and my dad tends to agree with me, but neither of them were extremely passionate about it, I would say more my experience in high school encouraged me to be so politically active. Okay,
2: a quote from an article you sent me says, there are some values that people associate with the Republican Party that can be really offensive to certain groups. People assume that just because someone identifies with the Republican Party that they share those views, that's not necessarily true. Sarah, what is a view that is, say, core to the Republican Party that you don't share? Or does this paragraph here not really apply to you? You really do embrace the whole thing.
4: I would say I embrace it pretty wholeheartedly. I will say when I think our president or when another person on our party does something I disagree with, but I tend to be pretty conservative, pretty Republican, so I do tend to fall in that definition.
2: And one more for you. Uh, Sure. How often do your views break with the presidents? And can you give me an example? of a couple of areas
4: not often um I'm a little bit disappointed that we ended the shutdown so that was a time where I understand what he did but that did make me a little bit unhappy because I'm really hoping for the wall
2: okay (laughs) so you feel that he folded on that
4: I do I think he should have been a little bit stronger on that
2: is the president honest I think so how about you
1: I would say he's honest. I'd say there's a lot of times where stuff gets twisted. I say there's a lot of times where stuff gets misinterpreted. I'd say for the most part, for uh, the most part, the president is honest. So Sarah,
2: president is honest, and you say most part. Yes. Okay. See, I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) debate. Let's just take a topic: Medicare for all. What's wrong with it, Sarah?
4: So I think that it would be great if we could just pay for everyone's health care. However, the problem is that not everyone is working and people need to all be paying. Like if everyone just received free handouts, then no one would have the motivation to be working. So if you knew that you could just get health care for free, why would you want to put yourself out there and pay for it? So like I know we give illegal immigrants free health care sometimes. So I know that that makes me... Unhappy because I know my parents work hard to pay for our health care.
2: And um, let's see, Matt, climate change is that a bunch of hooey? And if uh, if it's real, how much of it is man-made, if any?
1: Sure. Okay. So I, I climate change is probably one of the uh, one of the main points that I will differ from from the general GOP standpoint. I'd say climate change. Is real. I would, but um, at the same time, I don't think that there's a lot that our country can do, quite frankly, to slow. Because I feel uh, countries like China, India, these big countries that produce so much pollution, those are the main contributors that are making this the, the climate change problem so much worse and actually, you know, expediting it. There's only so much that we can do as a country, and more so that we are doing now because we already do a pretty dang good job in terms of you know making sure that we are. Being climate conscious to really slow it down. So I think it is an issue. I'm not really sure there's a lot that we can do more as a country, though, to stop it.
2: So you would break with the president on that. Yes. All right. Next, and who wants to who wants to answer this one? Do you go to Punter's Pub?
4: Absolutely. <laughs> Has it closed?
1: All right, well, it's it officially closed uh, December eighteenth, twenty eighteen. That was the last day it was open it was a northeastern tradition northeastern favorite um but when it was still open yes definitely. it closed down it closed
4: quite sad to see it, it go. closed students yeah. were very disappointed and the owner
2: the dude's name is steve steve, right? steve great guy <laughs> absolutely He great moves guy. a little he's moving a little slow at the
1: end there oh yeah he's
4: got it he's still got he's it, going. Still got it.
1: Yeah. favorite guy so what are you going to do now that punters pub is going away um we we've uh we've moved kind of watering holes to a uh, other local campus. Is there anything
2: Um, like that though? Kind of an old man
1: bar. No, there there really isn't. There's really no. It it was a true dive bar. It it had that gritty feel. Well,
2: it had the smell of bleach. That's yeah. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah. I (laughs) mean, sign of a real dive. The 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 booths and chairs were breaking. You couldn't sit down with you know out knowing if it was going to collapse under you every night. But you know, great place. Nothing truly like it in the area. Okay, Um,
2: about northeastern. What do you like best about the northeastern experience? How is it different? I guess.
1: Sure, I'll start. Uh, I definitely the the main thing that's attracted Northeastern, the reason why it's gone so popular lately, is our co-op program, which basically uh, instead of doing two or three times uh, for six month periods, instead of doing classes, you do a full internship and you work full time for those six months and you gain experience. And it's something that's very unique about Northeastern that I think that's the most reason most people go.
2: All right, Sarah, me too movement. Does it go overboard?
4: I'm actually just started to write a 30-page paper on my criticisms of – sorry, criticisms of this movement. So I think the movement is in good spirits, but I think the problem is when you get things like the Aziz Ansari – forgive me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong – but a woman who went on a date with him and seemed to have regretted the experience. If you get someone like that making allegations of sexual assault when it's not an assault and it's more just her being regretting regretting her actions – that delegitimizes the movement. And I think, unfortunately, there was quite a lot of that delegitimization happening.
2: You'd know better than I would know, being a woman, I guess, is there, how much of that goes on? How much of regrets that turn into charges of harassment or worse happens?
4: I can't. I would never want to be the voice for people who are victims. And I think that's the unfortunate thing about the Me Too movement is you don't want to take away from people who are Real victims of real assault, and I would never want to take away from that in any way. But I do think that unfortunately, it is an issue that some people do regret, and then make up that something happened.
2: Matt, does that affect your dating behavior? The knowledge that definitely things have changed. Can you tell me how?
1: I I mean, I'm not well. I'm not sure if it would necessarily say affect. I. It's just I'm not sure like how my how my viewpoints would change if this movement haven't gone on. But I mean, I'm always someone who's very aware of consent of you know okay making sure the girl's comfortable and, and all that so it's something to be- how do you
2: do that make sure the girl's comfortable
1: it, it's really is feeling it out and, and um i'm not it this is something personally i'm not one to just like rush into something right so it's one of those things where you know when you start talking to someone you kind of test out their character see where they see where they are see what type of person they are
2: you have to do this verbally like, ask yeah. him.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. It, it It's one of those things where it can be uncomfortable, but it's one of those things where you sometimes need to have adult conversations with someone. Um, sometimes who, or all the time? Uh, all the time. Okay. Used to be a guy would kind
2: of just kiss a girl. Does
1: that still happen, or
2: do you always have to ask
1: first? I think it still happens. It's not something that I would ever do. You would but, always ask. Oh, totally.
2: All right. Just checking. Are your... I want to ask you both this. Are your online profiles accurate cuz that's kind of rare if it is if if they are i i know somebody who's in the biz of investigating people who are it's a service where if you're going to go on a date you can hire this person and she will check you out and she finds that there's very little accuracy like most people's profiles are pretty made up therefore when you meet it's pretty disappointing how accurate honestly, uh, are your profiles? Do you kind of
1: pump them up a little bit? I wouldn't say it's necessarily an issue of inaccuracy. It's more just when you post something on any social media network, it's generally you're highlighting a good, a specifically good moment of your life. So you have this collection of all these very positive moments in your life. And of course, life isn't like that 24 seven. So it it can kind of give off that aura of like, oh, you're always doing something cool. You're always doing something really interesting when that's not obviously not the case.
2: Is there pressure to to be really cool on social media? I mean it's it's a form of brag and I'll admit it. Everything I do on social media is a brag. I went here, I went there, here's my post, here's my dog, here's my I bought this. It's a huge brag. Do you sense that? Do you feel it? Does it get old for you?
4: Absolutely. I think that's a major problem of our generation and I pride myself for hopefully not having this issue, so I think many people will be like what time should I post this Instagram to get the most likes or how many people liked my photo? Is this person seeing my Instagram story? And I think that's such a self self self-absorbed vain way of living. And I do think it's really sad that Instagram and all of those social media profiles have gotten to that level where people are just so obsessed with what people look like on those and how it's portrayed when the reality, like you just brought up is, Real life is what really matters at the end of the day and what you look like and how you treat people and how you interact in the real day-to-day, not just some picture that you post.
2: Do you ever post buzzed? I have a firm policy. One beer, no posts. Do you, have, <laughs> do you ever post after drinking? No. I mean, I'm here to tell you it's, it's a bad... It's always I. You always feel like it's okay, but it ain't.
4: I think that's amazing advice. I think any <sighs> millennial or young... Person should be listening to that because I don't think it's ever smart to drink to be under the influence of alcohol and be posting on social media because another issue is nowadays any job you're applying to has so much access to all of these different profiles. Even if you think, oh, it's private, it's fine. Even like Snapchat, which is supposedly private, truly none of that stuff, in my opinion, is always going to be public private. And it's so easy to access it and find it that especially trying to apply for a job, you should be very aware of those issues.
2: So, who uses Twitter? Who uses Facebook? Who uses uh, Instagram? Who uses Snapchat? Is Facebook for your mom? Twitter is for news people? uh, Instagram is kind of for you guys? And Snapchat's on the way out? Or, you know, where am I right and where am I wrong in that?
4: So I, Facebook, I feel like, sorry to interrupt, no. is commonly known as like the older people thing, but I would say I love Facebook. Like I think one of the best features of Facebook is the fact you can see people's birthdays, and I'm someone who forgets that a lot, so you'll get like an email or a notification that's like, it's Blank's birthday today, so I think that's an awesome way to... Keep track of your friendships when you have a lot of people's birthdays coming up. And then I think Instagram's definitely the one that's for our age group. But I wouldn't say Snapchat's fading away. I think that's pretty prominent as well. What do you use it for? Snapchat? How
2: do you use it, yeah.
4: So mostly, like, I don't use it as much as others, but mostly, like, joking around with friends, like, oh, I'm at work or I'm in my class post, like, I'll send you this. But I do think some people tend to go overboard on our age group with the sending selfies back and forth. Like, I more use it in a humorous sense.
2: Are you getting saturated by the social media thing? I mean, maybe I am, but maybe it's because of my age. I have this sort of shallow feeling because I I have a sense of what I'm missing out on. You may not even have a sense of the tactile world that exists. You live in a pretty non-tactile world. Everything you touch is plastic. You don't really... I don't know if you read books, but a lot of folks never read a book, never touch a tree...
0: 18 plus ever
2: feel any sort of dirt or stones or anything like that do you get the sense that there's more out there that you'd like to discover or are you good with what's going on
1: i mean i like to think that i ha- i have had those experiences of going out into the world and and right. you know
2: done that been there touched a tree that's enough
1: I, I mean, yes, I have touched a tree. Yeah, no, true. Um, <laughs> okay. and, and I, but I know I wouldn't say it's one of those, you know, been there, done that things. It, it's one of those I, I'm always I, I, I love hiking personally. I love being outdoors. So it's it's, it's not a uh, one and done type of thing. OK, good.
2: I'll ask you both this. Uh, how could the president be more effective? How if you were his handler, what would you tell him as a means to be more effective? Or maybe he's maximally effective as it is. Go ahead, Matt.
1: To be more effective. Okay. Um, I would say that a lot of that starts with, honestly, like the, the the Twitter rants, for example. I think that's just something that's unneeded a lot of the time. Uh, it can be funny and it's humorous, but I think it gets in the way a lot of times of real politics and, and real policy changing. Um, it's hard when we talk about something like efficiency, I feel, because it is a... It's kind of in the eye of the beholder. Personally, in terms of efficiency, I think he does a pretty good job. That's not to say that I think the policies he does are necessarily all good and, and great, but I think in terms of efficiency, not sure you can really knock him too much on that, in my opinion.
2: All right, what about the policies? What would you? Where do you break besides climate change?
1: Sure. Um, I, I guess I, I think this is probably this is like the big one that will probably definitely be interesting. Personally. I'm not for the wall as a physical barrier. I'm all for um, better border security. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's definitely needed. I'm definitely for more security at the border, more uh, border patrol agents, more technology. We have some technology yeah, in tech. this day and age. Yeah. There, you know, There's drones, there's lasers, there's really cheap ways that we can do this. I think from a pure financial point of view, if I look at this from a fiscal point of view, the wall is a waste of money in terms of a fraction of that could be used and it, i believe it'd be more effective
2: why does the president stick with the physical barrier
1: i think it's it's a campaign promise and it, it's one of those things where he promised that he's he's talked about the wall so much stick to it
2: sarah uh, where do you break with the president and uh, how do you think it could be more effective
4: i think in terms of effectiveness it would be great if he toned it down a bit on twitter for myself personally i love all of his tweets i find them quite humorous but I think if he wants to win over more of the American people it would be beneficial to be a little bit more neutral on his tweets. I do think the things that he did like meeting with Kim Kardashian, meeting with Kanye West were also really prominent movements that or moments in his career politically as our president that opened up and made people think differently because a lot of people maybe on the left side really respect those celebrities, so I think those moments did make a big impact and hopefully he can continue to have more moments like that as he does have quite a connection with many celebrities.
2: Okay, and is there any areas where you disagree that you haven't already shared?
4: I want the wall, I hope he pushes for that further and I hope he keeps most of his campaign promises, but I think he gets a lot done. I'm really impressed by everything he gets done in the day-to-day, I don't know how he fits so many hours and how many things he gets done each day.
2: And why is the physical wall important to you?
4: So I think the wall is a great way to protect our country. We need to make it so that people need to come to our country legally, so it's not to be offensive but to a anyone. High tech, a
2: high tech solution wouldn't work.
4: No, I think that's the beauty of our Republican Club. We can have dissenting opinions. I think that's a great idea too. But I think the wall is an awesome starting point. So I think so you the- want to build a wall. Yes, you and- need to
2: have a physical barrier. Okay, what is wrong? With the liberal ideology.
4: So one of the main issues is that they want to make gun control quite strict, more strict. So this is a problem that infringes on our Second Amendment rights. Actually,
2: and- I'm looking for the overarching basic philosophy of the liberal okay. that, would dr- that would drive them to be for gun control, drive them to want an open border. What's the... What's wrong with the, ba- the basic philosophy?
4: So they want a lot more action from the government and everything to be bigger from the government. And our philosophy on the conservative side is to have less from the government, a more laissez-faire approach, and have things not be so stringent.
2: And what's wrong with big government?
4: So the just, more just asking, the government doesn't mean
2: I disagree. I'm just asking.
4: No, it's okay. The more the government interferes with these things. Results in it, like in, for example, with capitalism, we can't, we're not going to perform as well in the economy. The more the government is put, in is involved in, in in all of these aspects of our lives. So,
2: okay, in a larger sense, Matt, if you were the omnipotent ruler of everything in the world, how would you fix it? Or another way to put it is, what's wrong with the world? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's wrong with the world? You know, I think it. Because it's, it's definitely hard. It's an interesting question to think about, given the world is just it's huge. And there's so many different situations that people are in. You can look at any given person in America has a very different living situation from take any third world country um, and just very different living experiences, very different scenarios. But I'd say at large, I think there's this push to kind of have a unified globalist viewpoint. Um, And to have this uh, cooperation of, hey, we're all on this earth together, let's all have this big unified force of everybody. I think that's a personally Personally, I think that's a horrible idea. Why? Well, because, as I just said, everyone's in different situations. The U.S. has a very different situation than, say, Cambodia. And similarly, China has a very different situation than the U.K., it's it, you when you have when you try to make this big organization that you know is very cohesive, but everyone has a very different life experience. That's not going to go well for anybody involved. Do you feel
2: like with a global approach, the haves end up supporting the have nots, and that's a bummer?
1: I think that it, it results in a lot of it, it results in the so it, it results in supporting for the have nots, sure. And then it also, but I think it also hurts. It hurts everyone in this scenario. It hurts first, first world countries because now suddenly they're responsible and and supporting third world countries. And it I don't think it helps third world countries either because suddenly they're not lifting themselves up anymore. It's just receiving, receiving international aid. And is it really fixing the fundamental problems that got them into that situation in the first place? For example, if we were to start giving financial aid or international aid to Venezuela, a country that's currently collapsing right now. Is that really going to fix the root of their problem if they just go right back on to the socialistic system that got them into this problem in the first place? No, it's just going to delay the problem even longer. There's some things that need to happen, quite frankly, in order for the world to continue. It. And sometimes they're not only nice; they're not always nice and pretty, but they need to happen.
2: Do either of you have a surprisingly liberal viewpoint on anything?
1: Uh, I yeah, but- I'll, I'll I'll go. I think I think probably my most liberal viewpoint. I hate that it's even a political issue because it um. But I would say um, I'm pro-choice, um, and it's it's funny I I switched my viewpoint in that fairly recently too, and it's it's my approach is as a conservative as a Republican I believe in small government first, and as such as an extension of that I look at that and say well the government shouldn't be able to tell right. anyone what they can do get with their the body get the government then. out of that it, you know I don't, I don't the, room I I don't want the government in my life for for tax reasons for you know home reasons for I don't I don't want the government in my life in the first place. I don't, I, you know, so hey, I don't want the government in, in your life either. Sarah,
2: how about you? You're a young female, but a conservative. Is that a rub for you, The uh, the pro choice issue?
4: I'm pro life. So I think abortion is one of the biggest murders in the whole world. So I think it's a really very sad thing. And what was just passed in New York to allow it in the third trimester is quite quite devastating so I've been very upset by that news over the past few days as that's been coming to surface so I've stood by being pro-life. I know Matt tends to take more of a Tommy Laren approach so I think that's really cool. I totally understand his backing up that but I do think that life is one of the most important things we should be fighting for and one of the core reasons I am conservative.
2: Okay the the term socialism is uh, just a bad bad thing for both of you correct? (laughs) Yes. Correct. Okay. Absolutely. So how did, what is your response when folks talk about how happy people are in a socialist Denmark? Always ranking, super happy. What's the deal with that? Both. All right, I'll go, go first. Yeah, Matt.
1: sure. I'll, I'll go first. Sure. Uh, whenever I, I always love whenever we bring up uh, Scandinavian countries. Uh, you know, Denmark. that's because
2: you have an answer for it ready to go. That's why you love it. And here it comes.
1: <laughs> more or less we'll see um, <laughs> I mean one I think there's it's the Scandinavian countries very few of them and if none of them really are true socialistic countries a lot of them have very many capitalistic influences which allows them to have these huge self-sustaining economies that make them do well for themselves which is great and you can see how that works well for them. But and two, I would say the biggest problem with these countries is the fact that you are basically tied down once you are there, because yes, you do have this very nice lifestyle and it's all provided for by the government and it's funded through taxpayer money. But say I grew up in Denmark and I don't wanna live in Denmark anymore. Say I wanna move to the US or I wanna move to London. That becomes a lot harder and borderline impossible to save up all that money to actually make a change and a shift in your life with how much that you're paying out of your paycheck annually, and how much that when you try to exit one of those countries, the exit taxes and how hard it is to move and give up your citizenship, that's a near impossible task. All right.
2: You want to be free to get out of there, and you'll never get out because you don't have the means to save. You don't have economic freedom.
1: Okay. Hey, Sarah,
2: how about you?
4: So I think socialism, as Matt said, one important thing is that they're not true socialist. It's not existing in its true form. So I do think in theory, it seems like this amazing thing, but- in practice, people, citizens in those countries don't have the motivation that you would have in a more capitalist society.
2: Okay, so they're not truly socialist, yet the some of the things that are big there are called socialist, like the healthcare. Are you saying that if we were to have single-payer healthcare, that would not be socialist?
1: <laughs> okay, I'll take that. I can, sure.
2: I can rephrase it if you like. Sure. But I think, you, you want me to rephrase yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Okay, both of you said, yeah, I believe that it's not truly socialist there. But some of the key things they, that they that make them who they are are things that are called socialist here.
1: For sure. example,
2: the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So if they have it and they're not truly socialist, is it that health, universal healthcare yeah. is not truly socialist and that here in the States we should stop calling it socialist?
1: I, I think universal healthcare is inherently a—it's it, a practice that draws off socialism. It draws off this—you know—this entire. If we look at socialism, the entire this this ideology is rooted in providing for others and making sure everyone's taken care of, and and that is what universal healthcare is. Is that a bad thing?
4: No, but it's no. more of a trait rather than of socialism in the, as a whole. So, like, yes, universal healthcare is a socialist is a socialist trait that we people want in this country, but. It's the whole country and everything they do that put comes together that makes it the complete.
1: Okay. And I'll also add this on on something especially like universal healthcare. In a perfect world, that's amazing. That's awesome. I wish we could have that. Is it a bad thing? No, not at all. Universal healthcare is not bad. I wish that could be a reality in the United States. I wish we could have all these safety nets for people. But can we have that with the just with the reality of the of the world and our country specifically? Is it sustainable? In this state, no, not at all.
2: What's the worst thing about being your age, both of you? There are some downsides to being young these days. What uh what rises to the top for you?
1: Are you just asking in general? Yep. I would say in general, I think it's a very it's a very different world than our parents grew up in. And I think that definitely plays a part in kind of what the expectations are or or what is expected of us. Um, you it, mean
2: they expect stuff of you that's more difficult to do than they think because it's become a, more, a different world?
1: Yes. For example, I, I would say for example, where in in you know my, in our parents' age, it was a lot easier to yeah you, you went to college, sure you could get a four year degree and you could go into a business and you could get a job there and you could work your way up and it, you could rise through the ranks if you you worked hard. There's there's very little guarantees of that now even with a four year degree. A four year degree is in a four-year degree alone is becoming increasingly, quite frankly, almost useless. You almost have to go into some sort of master's program if you want to have you know, a shot at certain fields. You want to have an MBA, you want to have a master's in, in whatever your field is.
2: This isn't really political. Would you like to see the whole college system torn down and redone? Yes. I envision a system where the way you get a job is you pass a test. Every every job has a test. You want to be a an astronaut, a nuclear physicist, you want to work in IT, whatever, you, you don't need a degree. They're not going to look at your degree. There's a test. If you pass the test, you get it. You can learn it any way you want, online, by yourself. All you have to do is know it. You don't need the paper to show it. All you have to do is take the test. Would that work? Can you see a problem with that?
4: I think it's a really interesting approach. I think that... The more and more online classes we have i do think a degree where you're in class and you're present in an actual classroom or even like a smaller classroom as opposed to a large one where you actually have to participate is so much more important than a class where you can take online and not pay attention and just take a multiple choice test and watch a youtube video about it i do think we've lost sight of real true learning unfortunately and even for me there's some classes i take that are easier there's some that I know that I have to really be on it and participate, but a lot of times you don't even need to read the book. And it's so sad that we've gotten to that point because I do think we've lost sight of like what a true class is and what you should be learning in school. And I do think it would be great if every profession could take a test. And like for nursing, you need to take all sorts of tests to get certified and everything. And for many of those fields, that's true, but I also do think that being in class and having that degree when the classes are valuable and when you're being taught what you should be taught are quite important to whatever profession you go into
2: all right toss up what irritates you about
1: old people (laughs) oh man where to begin no um (laughs) uh god what would i say i would say there's this this mindset of not uh, and, and of course, this is not true for everybody. I know this definitely is not true for my parents, for example. It could definitely be said about my grandparents, though, is this this unwillingness to learn technology. You know, it's this new thing. It's this and it's because the reality is there, there's so many things that could be making people's lives easier if they embrace technology and they just don't want to. And, and, and the reasoning for, OK, well, why don't you? Well, it's new. I, I don't like it. I've never used that before. And it's just such a it's such a blind unwillingness to even give something a try just because it's new and it's technology and it's all this fancy, you know, shiny. And and I think that really irritates me because I know, especially for my grandparents, their lives could be so much easier if they embraced you know, something like Uber Eats or having their groceries delivered. What do they, they say when you it. say,
2: Grammy, get a computer, what do they say?
1: No. They don't give a
2: reason?
1: It, it's just, well, I, I don't want to learn that. I don't have to figure that out. Sarah, what irritates you about old people?
4: I think older people tend to generalize that all people our age do negative things that they connotate with millennials. Okay, so, so like,
2: it's their general
4: You're all on your phones all the time it. or something like that when maybe I don't fit those traits. So sometimes I find it frustrating. I know a lot of them perceive that millennials in jobs don't work hard or just want to be on their phones all day, and I know that I do not fit to that stereotype whatsoever. But so. do
2: you see your peer group?
0: well there, you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lazy and you're
2: not. I guess is the
4: I can absolutely e- easy see how that stereotype has come to be. Sometimes But you st- hate
2: it when they lump you in.
4: Yes, it's sometimes disappointing if I know that my work ethic is different than the stereotype.
2: All right, what else? Lazy, not lazy. What else? Um... entitled.
4: Yes, the entitlement one is definitely a big stereotype that can be frustrating because I tend to think that I don't hold myself in an entitled manner. Um, I how don't about if,
2: How about other, other millennials, though?
4: I think some people are. I, I, again, don't think you can really lump anyone into this whole group. Every single person my age is this. No,
2: but in general, a tendency.
4: There definitely is, and I think a lot of people my age tend to think... I should start my job as the CEO when exactly I think at our age we need to realize. Oh, you need to be the intern and maybe work and do something that's you at need the to lowest get coffee level of for the- a while, right? And I think that's super important. And I do think, unfortunately, our generation misses that. So the elder, the older people that think we conform to that might be onto something.
2: Let's go to Amanda and Lynn. Hello, Amanda.
5: Hey there. Hey. Um, I have a question first for Bradley. I've been really uh, enjoying the the program and hearing your the young people you have there. Bradley, did you invite Sarah and that or did they reach out to you to be on the program?
2: I invited them.
5: Awesome. trust me they
2: would never have heard of me if I didn't
3: reach out.
5: <laughs> Anyway, um, so that, that I'm really glad that you did that. You did so. It's been very interesting to hear their point of view. Um, just some uh, some context um, for myself. I've voted red, blue, green, independent. So I'm just I like to think about the candidates themselves, for example. Um, but I did have uh, uh, my my next question. One of you had said that you were kind of annoyed with your grandparents because they weren't adapting to new technology. I think it might have been there I'm not sure but um, how old are your grandparents
1: Uh, that was me that said that my my grandparents are both in their early 90s
5: okay well you know it it is challenging to learn new things and uh, I have family members in their 80s who do own computers but it's really hard to physically kind of learn how the new things work and the technology keeps changing it's even hard for myself to, to keep up with the, the changes so just keep keep that part in mind um, but I'll skip to the next question um, my next question is have you are you aware of who Harvey Milk is? Yes the, okay so, What I found very interesting that um, one of the uh, uh, WBZ nighttime programs had an interview with somebody who had written a book that included a whole section about him. And I was not aware that Harvey Milk was a Goldwater Republican when he was your age, which I found incredibly fascinating. And of course, we know that his career trajectory took took so many twists and turns. It was it was really really interesting. Um, I just wondered what you what you all thought about that.
2: By the way, that was uh, the book was a book on Jim Jones, and yeah. Jim yeah. Jones was active in in that area, and he had a lot of politicians supporting him before he went down to Guyana, and that's how Harvey Milk
5: fit in. Yeah, well, so, it was a fa- so it was the interview was a huge, brother. it was, it was a fast, that was a really fascinating program. So what's the question? Well, I just was wondering if they were aware of, aware of the fact that oh. this person who appeared to have very liberal, uh, uh, ph- philosophies and activities and actions um later in his life that that he had this whole trajectory change i uh, just thought that was interesting and then of course we don't know who he was really working for but it, i thought it was fascinating that he was a goldwater republican and then it and then it changed um thank you Amanda Yep. One other question, maybe something for you all to talk about. Um, we have two more weeks before the Trump decides whether he's going to shut down again or declare a state of emergency, regardless of the world. Do, do the young people have a feeling or a sense of what it would mean if he declared a state of emergency? And I can take the answer off the air.
2: Okay. And we can add to that. What do you think is going to happen? I have Firm a prediction on what's going to happen within the next two weeks. You guys go ahead. It's no, it's okay All if you're wrong. I don't mind. Sure. I never mind making predictions because I don't mind being wrong.
1: Go ahead. I'll go. Sure. Matt. So I, I, think, um, I think it's quite frankly likely that we don't go into a state of emergency. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there may. We might go into another shutdown for, I'd say, a couple weeks again. But I really don't think that this is going to be a repeat of last time. I think the fact that Trump even... He bailed recently and, and ended the shutdown without getting what he wanted. It really kind of was, this was chicken with, with Trump and Pelosi and, and Trump lost. And there, there's really, he doesn't have a lot of ground here. Um, and I, I I don't think he's going to go back with yeah, the Yeah, that
2: cost him like 10 percentage points of support. Yeah, He's not going to do it again. There's no yeah. way. I don't believe there's any way he will either. do the shutdown again. Because history teaches you that people who do the shutdowns lose. And the party actually tends to lose. Sarah, go ahead.
4: I'm going to have to agree on that. I do think the shutdown's not good to have that unfavorable results in the poll, too. He needs to be careful of that as we near the next election. Will it's far he, away, but close. Will <laughs> he
2: declare the emergency?
4: I don't think so, or I don't know. I'm honestly not 100% on my prediction on that, but I guess time will tell.
2: What is your gut say? Somebody gave you a 1000
4: bucks and said, you have to bet on
2: sh- uh Emergency or no emergency? How would you spend that
1: thousand?
4: I'm gonna say no emergency.
1: Matt, no emergency.
2: (laughs) So they're gonna work it out somehow. I guess so. That's yes,
1: something. I I I mean I this is more so hoping that there isn't an emergency. I that's I that's the last thing I want to see is a state of emergency get declared over this. So
2: let me ask you something that's mostly age related and not politically related. I know people who will not talk on the phone, only text. They will mock people who want to talk on the phone. Oh, god, that's gross! Talking on the phone. Where are you on that? Are you just do you just abhor phone talking? You're all about text
1: or what? I, I personally love talking on the phone. I love Facetiming. I love you know video chat. Um, I, I love all those things. I think. There's, I think there's time and place for each of them. You know, throughout the day when it's just something quick and you're just trying to check in with someone, yeah. text can be really useful. Just, you know, something, hey, like whenever it's convenient and you see this later, just, you know, shoot me a text back. But if, especially if you're trying to plan something or if you're trying to catch up with someone or have like a, a long conversation, yeah, calling, you're right. there's calling a is the best.
2: There's one problem with calling, though. There's so much preamble and postamble. <laughs> you got to say, before you get to the message, you got to go, hey, what's going on, da-da-da-da-da yeah 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 and maybe like 30 seconds later you get to the message and then after right. the message you're gonna go so well uh you know uh okay well chicken you know we'll uh let's get together so you, you spend like f- maybe five minutes on what's really a 15 second message so i do get that yeah Zara, thoughts on this
4: I think same thing. So texting is really great if you're, hey, where are you? I'll be there in five minutes, whatever, something you got to get to the point. But I do think there is so much value to a phone call. You're calling a family member to check in, see how they are. You're calling a friend. You can learn a lot more on that phone call, even if it's a little bit of small talk than you can just texting. I think also texting can be misconstrued in so many ways. You never know what the tone someone's speaking in and so many issues. Very, very true. I think if you only text, it's pretty ignorant to say, I'm only going to text someone. I refuse to use a phone call.
2: All right, I would tell her she's ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, uh, Have you noticed exclamation point inflation? Here's,
4: I love using them personally, so I, maybe it's me.
2: Here's what I mean. <laughs> Used to be, you could just say, like, great. Say, say you text great. Great would mean great. But now, great doesn't mean great unless it's got three exclamation points after just great with no exclamation points sounds like this great
4: i'd be worried if i didn't get the exclamation maybe which is weird like we really shouldn't be conditioned that way but i do i love a few exclamation points when texting but again nothing too crazy
2: how about emojis you like them i kind of love them i love
4: them it's amazing the amount of
2: nuance that can be portrayed with just a couple of lines on a yellow circle you know, have yeah. a favorite one? I like the weeping one. Like it looks like it's crying. Really, like water's flowing out of their I eyes. love that one. <laughs> and the one with tears of laughter. The face is kind of cocked on the side, and it's tears oh, yeah. of laughter flying out. Yeah. Sarah, being a woman, you, do you run into any difficulty with Trump's treatment of women?
4: So this is an interesting one. I did not vote for him based on his treatment of women. And I do think that the allegations made against him were nothing more than allegations. And I think that they were quite dramatized. I don't think it's great what he said. I would never think the comments that I don't think can be repeated on the radio were good. But that being said, I do think I literally cannot think of a male that has not made comments like that of that nature. So I think they're all lying to themselves if they don't think that that's something that they all talk about. And the locker room talk connotation is very true.
2: Frank in air. Hi, Frank. You're on uh, WBZ, I believe. Hi.
4: Well,
3: Bradley. Thank you for a very good birthday present, hearing uh, from people who are conservative politically in this area in particular. Um, I'm interested to know and what the major, what, you, you, what your uh, guest majors are.
1: Okay. yes. Guess- yeah. So I am a uh, computer science and business combined major.
4: I'm a communications major.
3: Okay. My interesting was because I'm my own I'm I'm an engineer, and I think naturally that people who go to the uh, hard sciences have a much more realistic uh, outlook in, on life, and uh, uh, way uh, and so maybe cons- uh, tending to be conservative, uh, and I, that would I don't know what communications, that that's something that uh, might be pretty neutral if, if you're in, involved in uh, trying to be, uh, assure that people can communicate properly. But um, Northeastern University, I think, has a reputation of being more conservative. Uh, is that Inaccurate,
1: though. No. no. Completely
4: not. inaccurate, unfortunately. We, we've actually,
1: it's, <laughs> Northeastern's actually made the news uh, a couple times in the last year for having some very liberal professors saying some, uh, not so. You were
3: a black sheep for yourself, even on, on your own campus. Oh, yes.
1: Very much so. Uh, <laughs> in fact, the administration tends to fight us on a near weekly basis on something. Frank, so. before you oh, go, you're
2: a, you're a scientist, but a conservative. Where are you on climate change?
3: Climate change, I think, is something that we, we know has been going on for billions of years and that there's really no, very little uh, human influence to what's going on. Of course, there's a climate change. Uh, if We were under two miles, was it, or eight miles of ice.
2: So you uh, believe back- it exists, but you don't believe it's man-made.
3: Exactly.
2: The president believes it doesn't even really exist.
3: Well... <laughs> And while uh, he hasn't been paying attention to uh, history of, of the world, as, as scientists have been uh, uh, determining it has been.
2: Right on. I have a couple questions. Which one to go with first? All right. I'll go with the more complicated one first. Do you suffer? Do you suffer academically for your conservative views?
4: Unfortunately, yes. So I took a course in which I received a D minus as a final grade. I was getting normal standard grades on my papers. I'm a very good student notoriously throughout my life. And suddenly started turning in complete papers and received zeros and really horrible grades. And unfortunately, it was because my beliefs. However, my beliefs were required in the class. We were heavily graded on our participation. So I had to appeal this grade and took over a year to get this grade changed by all sorts of committees throughout the school. So oftentimes there's a sort of debate for conservatives where we either express ourselves and sacrifice our grades or choose to stay silent and know that we're getting the grade that we want to graduate.
2: And I'm not disagreeing with you at all or testing you, just doing due diligence. Sure. What actual evidence do you have that your reduction in grade was due to your view?
4: So ever since I started sharing my viewpoint in class, I said some things that were favorable to our country. Nothing about my political side. I didn't say that I was Republican or who I voted for, but I said that I was against terrorism and that I loved our country. And my professor happened to be very much on the other side. And so he's often, for terrorism? I don't know. He was quite left-leaning. You and said, I,
2: you, I, this is what you said. I'm against terrorism. Was there nothing more than that? I mean, I. Could... No,
4: I had a lot of pride for our country, and I shared that I supported things like post 9 11 putting out a flag. I did a project on that. And unfortunately, my professor would, when I raised my hand in class, he told me that I didn't care about the oppressed people, and he called my viewpoint ignorant.
2: Okay, so that there would be some evidence that your view was the cause of the grade. It wasn't just.
1: Uh coincidence right and i think it's important to also i mean this is her story but i I know this is a very important detail in my opinion to the entire story is when she got the papers regraded by other professors in the department she received like an a right Right. they changed the grade up yes is that was the way it was fixed have somebody else do it it It, started
4: in the department then a bunch of professors read all the papers and they all said that any complete paper should never receive a zero but they also raised my grade no well the thing is if you just turn in a paper that had the as the whole paper of course you shouldn't get a good grade but this was a paper that followed all of the instructions so even if he didn't agree with the way that i perceived or wrote it i had the evidence i had everything he required in the paper so it wasn't as if i didn't i left out three pages of a five-page paper
2: okay are you finished with that matt you're done okay are you apple people
1: i'm guessing no uh (laughs) 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 I <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, yeah, I, I I guess you could say I'm an Apple person. You are. Sarah?
4: Me too. Really? Hesitantly. Yeah.
1: It's well, such a liberal feeling organization. It's hypocritical of us. It, it probably is. I mean, I, I grew up in Silicon Valley. My my dad's worked for Silicon Valley, big Silicon Valley tech companies. Um so I've always kind of been around that and I'm a I I you know it is definitely a liberal place and I, i'm in computer science I, I plan to go into the tech industry i plan to maybe hopefully one day work for apple or amazon or google companies that yeah typically are very liberal
2: are uh, those mega companies our friends or our foes
1: i think they can be foes given the given their personal agenda and here and here's the thing you're gonna we talk, get
2: in there and fix that though
1: right who's to say I I will say one of the things I find interesting, and I know this through friends who are a bit older than me who are in the industry, and I also know from my my dad, is that a lot of the people who are actually in the company, the employees, don't generally share. There's not, you know, not all the employees in the company are also very liberal and share the company's viewpoints. The the culture and the actual work environment tends to sometimes lean um, Republican, and it's usually for fiscal reasons. That's a business. But yeah, you know, it's a business though. But I think especially with something like I think Google is a perfect example where they've, you know, it's been shown several times already, they will limit or, or, or change search results that are not favorable to a, a conservative side or conservative viewpoint. The thing is, I, you know, I hate to see that. It's unfortunate to see. Um, I, it, it's sad that a company would do that. They are a private business, though. They are allowed to do it. Right. Um, there's nothing we can really do to change that, unfortunately.
2: So I'm going to pick up the pace on the questions. They'll be let, they will not be as deep from sure. here on in. Activities. What do you guys do? Yeah, throw. Are you axe throwers? Are you uh, beer pong players? What What do people your age do for fun? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, was like, I hate this because it makes me sound like I'm ancient. <laughs> what do you do down there for fun? I, we're, we're up here. We don't have any more fun. I mean,
4: You're, I think we definitely fit the college stereotype. We definitely like to go out and have fun. Beer, what pongs, do you
1: do? Something a beer pong something we're not a
2: beer against. Before? I'm decent. I would crush both of you.
4: I'm not as good I
1: mean, as I wish I was Okay, we, we can put that up to the test Okay, round two Name something that's not boring
0: a laundry? Ooh, a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry We were looking for Chumba Casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No restrictions. Advertised by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just good at that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> n- n- how about uh, I, I was in um, Union Square, Somerville the other day and walked by an
1: axe Throwing place. Oh yeah, I I hear that's the new place. Very cool.
2: I don't know how
4: how long will it will last. Uh, it's weird. I don't I mean, like just, the drinking with the throwing the have axes. You seen it? They're, Not they're, into that.
1: There's a place in a, down in Seaport in Boston that it's a, a bar and an axe throwing place. That's we, what this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't love
4: We're, the combination. It seems like a
1: horrible idea to me.
4: So they have megs
2: of beer and they're throwing axes. It's yeah. kind of weird. It's a kind of an industrial space. They just yeah. slap together some. Targets and the people throw these axes, and nobody's actually able to stick it in. Sure. If they throw this thing, it goes whack and falls on the floor, and they're drinking. And I just feel like usually they have two people in one of these little boot, little stalls at a time throwing. I imagine what must happen is when they reach back to throw it, I bet sometimes there's somebody behind them who whacks them right in the face. Oh, yeah. I would think that would happen a lot, and I would imagine that their insurance bills from a pretty high from a liability it, frankly, point of view it didn't look that much fun didn't oh, yeah. it look like that oh. much fun I,
1: I mean yeah i don't even see the fun the fun behind that either i don't think okay. i would ever do that
2: are you are either of you into anything like beer brewing or the the maker world in any way
1: the maker world you know you make 3D stuff 3d Yeah. Oh. like anything <laughs> i mean but, i uh, sure from uh, if if uh, not, not alcohol, but uh, I, I, I do enjoy photography. That's, okay. that's a hobby of mine. I'm a photographer. I, I've been doing that for five, six years at this point.
4: I love a good DIY craft. I wouldn't call myself a maker, per se, but Pinterest is really fun. Finding something on there, making a little exciting thing.
2: Okay. Uh, let's see. We've talked about most everything politically that I wanted to get to. Do you feel... That your your peers are wimpy. Do you wish they would? Yeah. Do you feel like you're in a minority, both of you? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes, 100%. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. I I feel there's um, it's I it's funny. We kind of talked about previously uh, earlier about millennials sometimes having this entitlement feeling, which I think is true to a certain extent. I I really do feel like there's some people that just think like, oh, this is hard. So so why try? And it it, it seems like there's a lot of our of our generation, that's just, oh, this is difficult. I'll yeah, we'll just try to get around it or try, try to avoid that. It's just sometimes you got to work. Sometimes you got to put the work in. Next, where do you find your m- new music? Used to be people would Ooh. listen to the radio. Spotify, or maybe, yeah, 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 Spotify, Spotify. Spotify, SoundCloud. Um,
4: Spotify will make the playlist for you called Taste Breakers I've been recently into that they'll find things that are a little bit out of your comfort zone and set it up for you I'm someone honestly who does not take the time to go and find it on my own so I love that a little lazy millennial stereotype I'm conforming to
1: Yeah. do you ever go and see live music oh yeah totally both I I love concerts definitely a good time
2: where do you go do you go like Sinclair or where do the shows that you go to tend to have
1: House of Blues House of Blues yeah
4: And then there's a lot of like smaller bars like Capo and Lucky's Lucky's Lounge have been doing one small band I like. Like I love finding the ones that are really cool and pumping in Boston and like go to those where, you know, like you can follow them on Instagram and then know they'll be at these different places each week.
2: Uh, How do you feel about, and this is very random questions coming at you, safe injection sites as, you know, political people, you got to have an answer to that one. Yeah.
1: Uh, personally, I, be, it's one of those things, especially when we talk about drugs in general, the only, I, I am for, for example, marijuana legalization, um, which definitely is not a very stereotypical GOP viewpoint, but past that, I, I really am against drugs. And I, I think by having, I understand the arguments behind safe injection sites. I understand it's well, what it's are giving, the arguments for them? It's giving them a safe place. So they're not, you know, risking an overdose on the streets. They're not risking, Oh, hopefully they just not going to overdose in the first place and if something were bad to happen well then they can get medical attention right there it's, it's basically making a safer place for someone who has an addiction and i understand that viewpoint but but that being said i just can't i i can't feel i, I just don't feel right about having a government sanctioned place that is essentially condoning um condoning doing narcotics that are illegal and we should we what don't if think we made them legal no i i absolutely, not. S- absolutely against that absolutely against that. Sarah's
2: against the safe injection sites too, I'm guessing.
4: Yeah, I think my roommate's a nurse she loves them. She thinks they're a great idea. I just don't think it's great to be a purchasing the dr- the drugs for these people from the government and also the one plus is the clean needles. What so if that's it just less disease?
2: Sorry, to interrupt. What sure. if they just did their own drugs there? They went that's there even to worse, do it. They get the just, needles. So they wouldn't the way I look at it and I, I totally don't want to debate is Needles in little playgrounds with little kids. So bad. So bad that if they went to these sites, they would leave their old needles there. That's mm-hmm. what I... F- that,
4: that would be good. That's the pro for me. And then maybe if they also had to sign something and enroll in some type of program would be even better. And I just think that it's kind of... It's giving something to someone and feeding the addiction, literally. So I don't think it's the best mechanism to be helping. How,
2: how important are a couple of things as as... Are you really millennial still?
4: No,
1: I don't. I I am 90% sure I'm not considered millennial. What is the I new generation th- called? I think I'm generation actually y. part Gen Z. No, it's Gen, Gen Z. Z. I think I'm part generation of Gen Z. Gen Z. You gotta but get like a name. I I think I'm on like the, the old side of Gen Z. Okay. I think. Okay, for you
2: folks, how important are cars, automobiles compared to what you sense the importance of automobiles in older folks?
1: I, I personally really enjoy driving you dig I, I think it's it's useful. I mean I don't own a car here in Boston just because it it wouldn't be viable and especially since I'm living in Boston proper, I can get anywhere I need using the T or or Uber. But there's there's a time and place for it. I mean perfect example is here. You know, we had to drive out here to, to Medford. Yeah. We rented a rented a car, you know, just for a few hours to, you to come did? out here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. So yeah, it's just that's, you know. that's
2: why you're able to stay longer. Yeah, exactly. All right, how important are children? Uh, Compared to how you...
4: Having children?
2: Having children, yes. Compared to how you perceive previous generations to have
4: I think it's people are getting married later, people are having kids later, and I do think it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, but I kind of wish we were still having children and getting married at a bit of an earlier age than we are now.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a big uh, viewpoint in our generation to either just not get married or get married much later, to not have kids
4: I just don't think that people really want to go on dates anymore in college or beyond. I think it's all very instantaneous. We were talking a bit about dating apps. Personally, I do not use them, but I don't like the whole idea of them. I think we're so inclined to be on our social media that as a result, we don't really go through the practice. People just want instant gratification rather than going on a date and meeting people and being in a relationship. It's all just the idea of hooking up or friends with benefits, which is not a great thing in the long term.
2: I told you my theory. I wasn't gonna say it on the air, but I will, I will give you my theory on, and it could be wrong you tell me if I'm right, that here's how it goes. People have phony baloney face, uh, social media profiles. They know, everyone knows going in that when they actually meet up on an online date, it's gonna be disappointing. They show up. They are, in fact, disappointed. But with hormones, what they are, people want sex. So they, even though they're disappointed, they go ahead and they have the sex. And they never see each other again because they were disappointed. And it's just an endless series of that. How far off am I?
1: I think it's very accurate. Accurate. Yeah. I I, I would say I know it's hard for me to answer that directly because I'm definitely more of a traditionalist. But speaking from, like, all, all my friends— um, in college, none of them have any interest in being in a relationship. So no
2: relationships. It's nope. one and done.
1: Yeah, pretty much. It, it's it's kind of it, – it is – yeah, that's the best way to put it, I, I would say. And it's very, very an emphasis emphasis on the one and done. You know, this is, there's very few people I know that will even, you know, go back to the same person twice. That's why.
4: And it's this game of pretending you don't care and, oh, I can't text them right now. I don't want to seem like I like them. And it's just all of this. How do I show that I'm effortless and that I don't care? And I think everyone's trying to prove that. And I don't know why. I don't know why people seem to think that that's better than how it used to be.
2: So. Relationships are rewarding. I know for a fact. Why don't people want them anymore?
1: It's a toughie. I think, I think it's scary. Honestly. Scary? I, I think I think the commitment is scary. You
2: don't need a lot of commitment. You can just hang out because you want because to. Because I think a more lot of, than once. Yeah. Well, I think let's the, hang out. Let's hang out. You don't have to say, I, you know, I go steady with thee. You don't have to make any. Big oh no, of
1: course no. I but I but what I mean by that is I think there's a lot of. I mean, I'll, I'll have a more stereotypical male viewpoint here. I think there's a lot of guys, especially in college, where it's, all right, well, what if I get into a relationship this per- with this person? And then three weeks down the line, I meet someone who's just awesome. Well, you then you get out of the relationship. relationship. And I don't
4: know if it's Instagram <laughs> yeah, exactly, or what, but, but they, see, I feel like they just always want, like, what if there's a better option? And I feel like that's in everyone's minds nowadays with dating. So, so it's weird. You're
2: just dating. You can date more than one person, too. Did, you, did they know that? Did you know that? That's right? a good, good.
4: point. I don't know. Maybe Interesting.
2: not. Here's how it can go without any big commitment. You meet somebody and you say, hey, I'm going here. You want to go? And then later on you do that again. Hey, I'm going here. You want to go? And after a while you come to know that person and enjoy their company. Nobody does that anymore.
4: No. It's so I, sad. I've
1: done that, but yeah. I, I would say far and wide now.
4: Okay. Now
2: you sh- would expect that dating wouldn't be a... Talking about the differences in dating would not be a political topic, but... Sarah says, "Oh, contraire, it is. How so, Sarah?
4: So I think having conservative values, I do think that that does make a connection to how I want to date and meet people. And I do think that nowadays, the more left-leaning values for the younger generations makes that instantaneous, just hooking up, not taking dating seriously, not worrying about marriage. And yes, I'm 21. I don't think I should be concerned about marriage at this age, but I do think... You want to date people that you could see yourself with for the rest of your life, and I do think all of that is out the window now, maybe because of our values.
2: You had you wanted to talk about dating values a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. I I think there there is definitely a a move away from these traditional more quote unquote family values. Um, I think there's less people who are in it for the long term, and more just in it just to you know it, it's. Best way I can put it I think is is casualness is what people are more attracted to because that's easy. It's the easiest way to treat something. It's funny
2: they don't seem to get you can be casual but stay with somebody casually. That doesn't seem to be on the radar.
1: Yeah cuz I think a lot of the way a lot of people look at it is oh if I like get into a relationship then that's going to be suddenly super clingy and that's going to limit me. Hmm. Um which that, that does happen. It's horrible. But, you know, I there's a lot I, – and I, I've seen that myself. I, I see a lot of relationships where if my friends get in a relationship, suddenly they stop spending time with their own groups of friends and they don't have their own space and they don't have their own viewpoint. And that's that's certainly important to have. You you still have to have this independent viewpoint. You have to still preserve who you are as a person. All right. Congestion fee. I know we're all over the
2: place, but that's what I, how I told you it would go. Yeah. It's been floated that – uh there should be a boston congestion fee of like five bucks okay you drive in you have to pay uh a fee be- because it's so congested that would help reduce congestion what are your thoughts on that i mean i guess i can guess have you
1: heard about this i've I've never heard about it this is the first time no, hearing about it it's interesting it, it, that's interesting it's actually really interesting. um it is pretty darn crowded it is i mean but you guys like cars Yeah, but I
4: don't think that's. I do think that's discriminatory because I think to charge five dollars to not use a service or to just walk into to to walk somewhere or come in somewhere is kind of crazy. We have tolls, we have if you want to be on public transportation, you have to pay for that. So I don't really understand. And then I think it would be discriminating towards really, really lower class who couldn't or what would they do if they already lived here?
2: I don't understand the discrimination part,
4: like what would someone who has no income how would they get in here or would if you already live here you can be here like i don't really understand how
1: i see if
2: i live
4: here how often would i so it would discriminate
2: against people who had cars outside and brought them in yeah i I, and people who already had a car here would be congesting just as much but not paying
4: oh is that okay i mean that's that's what
2: it sounds like you're saying
4: I don't know i'm kind of asking how it works so how often do you pay the five dollars
1: i guess every time you come in it's yeah it's when you come oh into it's the city, in I a think. car though yeah. yeah
4: oh okay okay gotcha but
1: i, I think that's still a valid i was thinking point.
4: like you walk in and you just well you walk somewhere and you have to pay oh right no. i don't know my my perception is off <laughs> i
1: but i think that's a valid point that sarah has though is if you do live outside of boston to live in housing that is more affordable but you come into the city to work let's say you don't work a very high-income job Suddenly that's going to be taking a lot of you know that that's gonna add up very quickly just so you can get into your place of work on top of paying for gas so I, I don't I, I feel that's kind of useless to implement and okay again, I don't want the government charging me for last like that. last couple of minutes
2: to we'll talk about your group your club <laughs> sure. do you call it a club
4: Yes
1: yes okay it's a club do you have activities? Yes. Yes. All yeah. What, what are some of the uh, activities?
4: Fundraisers, retreats.
1: Yeah. Retreats. It, Tell it, me it, about a retreat. All right. So um in our most recent retreat was in May. About uh twenty of us went up to New Hampshire, went on Airbnb, rented a huge house Where? there. Where? Um Lake Sunapee. Okay. Um right on the lake, and it was just beautiful, you know, just stayed up there for a weekend and um hiked, went out went outside, enjoyed the weather. Is it a
2: politically intensive event or do you just not talk politics? No, I
1: I mean politics, of course, get brought up because we're a political group, but that's not the focus of it. The focus of it is just having a good time. And we have events like that where some of them are politically focused, some of them are not. Sometimes we have a fundraiser where we all just go out to a restaurant, um, have some food and drinks, and uh, we sometimes go to restaurants where they'll give us a percentage of the bill back to the club because we are a 501C, we're a recognized nonprofit organization. Um, Other times they are political, we'll have debates with the college Democrats group on campus will sometimes it will be a community service event where we'll go out and we'll go to the veteran shelter or the, um, uh, the food bank and and spend a couple hours there volunteering as a.
4: And we want people with opposing views to come to our club. So we have Democrats sit in, which is awesome. We've sat in on their meetings. We want anyone with any view. It's great to have friends (laughs) with the opposing view. That's how you can form your own views. You need to know both sides, but it is even better to just have them in our meeting. We can have some discourse.
2: Are your roommates conservative? No. So you debate, do they debate you?
4: They know my view and they respect it, which is really important. But they're important. afraid
2: of you, I'm guessing.
4: <laughs> no, I don't think so. But I have lost friends, unfortunately, due to my beliefs, and I've just sort of had to make the decision, if you think that I'm racist because I have these viewpoints, I know who I am, so that's okay if you don't want to be my friend.
2: All right. Yep. You guys are great. Thank you very much, and thank you for thank staying. Thank you. Thanks thank so much. You. Appreciate staying, it. Staying late. I hope you weren't disappointed. Northeastern University College Republicans, Matt Lowe and Sarah Corda. Say hello to David, who couldn't make it because he had an exam or something. <laughs> He's the president. And, uh, you know, let's come up with a way to uh, figure out another angle to get you back. In yeah, the, definitely. The yeah, write love, in love, if
4: you have ideas. Love to
2: come back. That was another Jay Talking Podcast. If you loved what you heard, like and review the show. It helps others find us. Subscribe to the Jay Talking Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter for show updates. And as always, you can catch the show live every weeknight starting Sunday, midnight to five on WBZ Boston's News Radio.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?